Welcome to the Run for God Run Club, where you will find God in a runner's space. Welcome to the Run for God Run Club. This is your one stop each week to be motivated and inspired to get off the couch and onto the running trail where you can, in turn, inspire others to do the same. Let's learn, laugh, and leap into running together, giving God the glory for what we are able to do in His name. Amen. I am your running host, Dean Thompson, and we have a special guest who is going to proclaim to you today how powerful God can be when we put our trust in Him. He is the founder and CEO of the principal sponsor of this very podcast, the Partners for Christian Media, uh, which includes J Radio, which many of you know about. Uh, please welcome to the podcast, Mr. Bob LaBelle. Thank you very much, Dean. It's a pleasure to be with you today. Yeah, I'm so glad you're here. Uh, we, we, you know, of course, we talk about J Radio every week and uh, and talk about you guys and some of the guys that work there. And also, it's it's cool to have you guys on the other end of the microphone here. Well, it's a delight to be with you. We just found out that we just passed over 50,000 downloads for our podcast, um, which is a, a big milestone for us. Congratulations on that. That's well, fantastic. And we couldn't have done it without you guys. So, uh, so thank you so much for all the help in getting there. Um, and I did something that I, I don't think I've ever done before, but, uh, this is, this is Bob's book. If you're out there and if you're watching this, you can see the book here. I'll show it in the camera. If you're listening to it, it's called finding God's frequency, hearing God's voice in a noisy world. Um, and Bob has, the, this is his, his autobiography and it's, it's so good that I sat down in the morning a little over a week ago and I read the entire thing before I got up. <laughs> I've never done that before with any book. Well, I feel quite honored that you did. So thank you for that. Well, it's good. And there's all sorts of things that uh, in there that, that we're going to talk about as we go. Now, how hard was it to get all those thoughts and things on paper when you were writing it? You know, it really wasn't uh, so so tough. Uh, one of the guys on our board of directors is a gentleman named Dean Arnold. Yeah. And Dean is a uh, experienced writer. And uh, he uh, is our creative director. And so what he suggested was that we sit down and just kind of do what you and I are doing today, interview, tell the stories, and just record it. Yeah. And so we recorded it. We gave it to a transcriber, uh, which is our receptionist at J103, Partners for Christian Media, and she typed it all out. Wow. And then once we had it all typed out, then Dean did his magic with the Inmedius Ray, you know, started when you're a kid and then would maybe go forward a little bit to a, yeah. a story on the streets of New York as a, as a drug user, musician, and then back here and back there and kind of mix it all together. And, and uh, then Dean came up with a transcript and gave it back to me. And I sat in a coffee shop for about two weeks putting it back into my voice because he used words that I would never use yeah, yeah. and uh, and just took the story and made it all uh, all work. And then we had a uh, editor that this was real interesting, Dean, if you're ever going to write a book, but we gave it to a dozen people to read and people were confused by it. And they said, you know, were you on drugs after you started Partners for Christian Media? Said, no, there was days I felt like I should have been. but And uh, so the editor came up with the idea of these 
sections in the book, and that's kind of an interesting little uh, byproduct. He said it's like a clutch that you use. So it's not just chapters, but there's these, uh, yeah. I'm looking for it now and having trouble got these finding graphics it. like that there. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, it, it's actually these, um, sections as well. So it's a clutch to let people know, okay, now we're going to, when I was, uh, you know, it's part one, part two, part three. So yeah. where's the music taking me? Uh, end of an era, dawn of a new day. So we yeah. did those and put those little sections in it and instantly, the people that had the problem read it and they said, Nope, now we got it. Now it makes sense. So you could tell the clutch was in and now we're ready to change gears. So that's interesting. So it wasn't a hard process at all. It was a lot of fun. And uh, probably the biggest thrill of all of it was just being able to share the miraculous answers uh, to prayer and God's amazing faithfulness to uh, do so many things that he did for us. Yeah. Well, we're going to get to some of those stories here in just a little bit. All right. Let me start by talking about our sponsor for this week. Our sponsor for this week is Trinity Disposal. They are the go-to disposal company for Whitfield County and surrounding counties. Trinity offers weekly residential trash collection and commercial front-end load dumpsters. Trinity is very detail-oriented and has an excellent customer service reputation. So if you're interested in the -the top-of-the-line disposal service, Trinity Disposal is the route for you. And, of course, it's right in the name, Trinity. You can tell where their heart is, and uh, and it's a a good company. So uh, they support Run for God. If you're in this area and you need disposal, support Trinity. All right, so for our regular listeners, we normally have a couple of sections where we talk about a trivia question from the week before. We're not going to talk about that this week. We're also not going to talk about uh, Dean's thoughts, which is a thing that I usually write every week, because we're going to devote this entire podcast to to telling the story. And so uh, for those of you who are listening, we're going to skip over those parts and go straight to Bob and, and his story. So now in, in the book, I know there's one point in the book, and you and I talked about this, and you called me and said, "Well, hold on a second, buddy. You can't, you can't go there, because I mentioned uh, that you weren't a stranger to running. Um, that uh, in in one part of the book, you talked about going for a run, but you haven't been uh, able to run now for several years, right? I unfortunately had an allergic reaction to fluoroquinolones, and that's an antibiotic, uh, one of which is very common called Cipro. And yeah. people who've had uh, uh, bladder infections or a deep infection of some sort, like diverticulitis, they'll give you Cipro. And I think doctors are using it less and less because it can cause this uh, plantar fasciitis. Yeah. It can also cause nerve damage. In fact, they're calling it irreparable nerve damage wow. and neuropathy in the feet. And that's what happened to me. I actually yeah. couldn't feel my feet uh, on the gas pedal or on the brakes in a car when I was on fluoroquinolones. And I went, oh, what in the goodness. world has happened to me? And doctors were looking for every kind of imaginable thing and Lou Gehrig's disease and all these different wow. things. And fortunately, it was none of those. But they did uh, finally, uh, we actually all worked on it, doctors and yeah. friends in the medical field, and and we tied it to fluoroquinolones. So I have trouble with my balance and feeling the ground. So walking is a bit of a challenge. And they say it's permanent, but the more I'm walking and the more I'm exercising, the more 
that uh, running is back on my bucket list. So I All see right. people running, and I'm like, I'm going to do that. All right. In fact, uh, meeting you and, and Mitchell and the Run for God team, I'm, I'm, you guys are inspiring me, and I'm like, yes, I, I'm going to do that. And uh, of course, as we know, one of the byproducts of that is taking off some some unwanted pounds from yeah, well. running. That helps. So. Well, this crowd out here listening to this right now, I'm sure that they can bow their head and say a prayer right now Thank for, you. for for that yeah. for that healing to I happen. But now you still that. you work out six days a week. Still, I right? do. Yeah. I sure do. You get in plenty of, of work. I do. I read a book a few years ago that if you work out six days a week, your uh, brain signals your body that you're still alive. You still need hormones. You still need all kinds of you know uh, 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 energy and help and and that you're not dead yet and you want to stay alive and so uh, that's a layman's interpretation 30 second version of what the book's saying but uh, so I work out six days a week I do cardio three days and then work out with weights and and a yeah. rowing machine and a recumbent bike and that kind of thing and and uh, we boy, say it all the time there's no magic in running but you, you got to get out there and you got to move and you got to do something. It just, you met you, the way you described it, it's really interesting. I've never heard it described that way, but yeah, your body needs to operate properly. And when you exercise regularly, your body operates better than it does when you don't. It really does. For sure. It says yeah. he's still alive and we've got to provide nutrients for That's his right. system and for his hair, keep his hair going and everything <laughs> well, else. So well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I shouldn't have said that. I've got a little thinning going on here as well. So, uh, well now, so you, you run the, the radio station known as J one Oh three in Chattanooga. Um, and you lead this organization overall called the partners for Christian media, That's correct. which includes J one Oh three as well as J radio, Come on, let's go, which we'll talk a little bit about here in a little bit. But, uh, but that, several organizations, right? Yes, and then a concert. You you named three of them, a concert ministry called J-Fest right. that does uh, local concerts and a big uh, festival in, uh, in our area every year that's, I guess, exceeded 10,000 people now that come to that. That's every, it. And it's so much fun to go year. to. Yep. We've been a number of times. Oh, yeah. So, so music has always been a part of your life, right? I mean, you, you enjoyed music from when you were just a little boy. Boy, it has, Dean. I, I was uh, one of these guys that was uh, had rhythm, I think, coming out of my mom's womb. So I was about seven years old when I talked to my mom and dad, much to their chagrin later, that uh, they get me a drum for Christmas uh, or for a birthday. I can't remember which. And, man, I played that snare drum, wore a hole in it, and then I asked for a drum set. And I guess somewhere around the age of 13 – had a favorite cousin in uh, out in Colorado. He was in New York at the time, who was an accomplished drummer, and he gave me a vintage set of Gretsch drums. Wow! With uh, Turkish symbols, Zildjian symbols, and so forth. Yeah. And man, I took that thing, and that became my consumption. So after school hours, I would go up in my room and play from about three o'clock till dinner time, about six o'clock. And three hours every day working out on those drums. And I got pretty accomplished and then took some drum lessons from some really good drummers. Yeah. And uh, so at the age of around 15 years old, I was playing in rock bands and nightclubs and in bars. And I was actually playing with guys in their 40s. In fact, my high school science teacher was a saxophone player in one of my bands. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. Wow. And so, yeah, I... That was a good thing musically, but it was also a, a, a bad thing for influence 
my you know my my teacher wasn't so bad but some of the other bands were smoking pot and doing amphetamines and yeah. meth and this that and the other and so it really did open up a whole uh lifestyle that came with the music but uh, yeah i played it at a, at a very early age yeah and sure one did. of the things that you mentioned is the influence that music had on you mentally too because of the words that are in a lot of rock music and i remember when i was when i was young and when i was in college i remember hearing all the arguments against rock music well i was a rock music guy all the bands that you listed <laughs> in the in the book those were the ones I listened I to, know, right? I know. So, um, and I remember thinking, well, it's just crazy that anybody would listen to these. Well, I get it that the words aren't necessarily positive, but why would people listen to them? And and here we go. You're you're right here in front of me saying that those were things that 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 I listened to and and, and had an effect on on the way you did things. Absolutely. Well, some people are more passive listeners and and swear that they don't even hear the lyrics. Somebody told me that just the other day. He said I. Uh, Which of course you do, you do and, and subliminally. Subliminally, yes, sure, you do. But and yeah. then others were like me. You might as well have had a frontal lobotomy <laughs> and be a zombie. And and when when Mick Jagger says I can't get no satisfaction, you're like, yeah, man, I'm having a bad day. I'm not getting any satisfaction. And when the cow sills, I'm dating myself with a band like the cow sills sings, <laughs> I love the flower girl. You're like dreaming of the flower girl. Uh, and so, yeah, and all points in between. But yes, I was more that guy. And so the average uh, teenager listens to 10,000 hours of music between the 10th, between the 7th and the 12th grades. And that's a lot of music. It really is. And wow. that's an old stat when we started the radio station almost 30 years ago. Yeah. And so now with a, a phone, you know, a iPhone or whatever kind of phone you use laying around and with uh, iTunes and and uh, it's always right there. Pandora, Spotify, all that. There's mm-hmm. so much more you can listen to. But I uh, being a drummer, I listen to music day and night. I had grown my hair long in uh, junior high and high school. Mm-hmm. And that made it very easy to sneak a cord up my shirt because see it wasn't wireless back then oh yeah and yeah. so i had a little headphone in my, oh, my ear and yeah. so in math class i looked really attentive to hear all about algebra but i was grooving wow. i was listening to the tunes yeah. i was i was tapping my foot and drumming and if the teacher wanted to know if i was really plugged into what he was saying he could just watch the me <laughs> nodding my head as i was grooving to the music and enjoying the beat but yeah so i was listening to uh, thousands of hours of music in high school and i lost all desire to do anything except be in a rock band and you had a pretty rocky pretty rocky high school time from the whole time you were in high school, didn't well, you? You I, were in and out of several schools. And- I did. I wish I could candy coat it, but that's not my story. I listened to the programming from rock musicians that were singing about sex, drugs, rock and roll. So I was dreaming about the rock band that I was in, and I was dreaming about my young girlfriend mm-hmm. and, uh, and uh, everything that she and I could do. And yeah. so, yeah, I was... Um, I, I had I did have a bit of a rocky... Uh, road there and i i started a little uh uh this could go a whole bunch of different directions but you you kind of alluded to maybe the school and i went to four different high schools Mm -hmm. i was kicked out of some of those 
Yeah, I got thrown out of the first school, uh, which was called Bexley High School, for having my hair too long. The principal called me over and pulled my hair down around my ears. I had it tucked neatly behind the ears and and whatnot, but he pulled it over and down in the front, and he said, no, it's too long, you're going to have to get a haircut. So I didn't come back there. I told him I wasn't going to, and so he expelled me. And then I went to another school called Eastmore, and at Eastmore, I met a young guy, and we would go to his. We'd go to our first period at the school, then we would go to his house, listen to record albums. I remember listening to Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, the whole album, and smoking pot and listening to it during the day. And uh, so, I skipped twenty nine days of school in a row at Eastmore. And uh, came back and borrowed a book from my teacher who saw that I was losing weight. And I told her I was sick. And she gave me a uh, uh, her book with the answer so I could uh, do well for on an exam. And then when uh, I forgot and I kept her book, she called my parents to say I need my book back, the teacher's copy of the book. So when I came home from school that day, my dad was like, uh how was school today? I said, school was great, dad. And he says, how was school today, Bob? And I'm like, "Uh Oh, I'm in trouble. And so when he found out I was skipped that I'd skipped 29 days of school, we had a knockdown drag out and I was sent to a Catholic school called Bishop Hartley at Bishop Hartley. I was thrown out of the school for cutting a pound of marijuana and, and cutting it up and putting it in little baggies of lids that we were selling to other students. And so I was thrown out of Bishop Hartley. And uh, finally, I ran away from home and lived in New York City with my grandparents. And that lasted about two days with the grandparents. I ended up living in a closed-down drugstore in uh, New York City. And I hooked up with some guys there that were in a rock band, and we we played in in an old closed-down drugstore. That's where we jammed. Wow. And so, uh, so I ended up in four different schools, all by uh, barely turning sixteen years old. Wow! Yep, yep. And then you got hooked up at some point in time, I guess, in New York, where you got hooked up with somebody that kind of showed you the road and how to deal some drugs, and and that that kind of led you in down a a road that got you into probably the the deepest trouble you got in, right? Yeah, absolutely. I had a Czechoslovakian roommate who was also a drummer and a percussionist. He had a connection with the mafia in New York City. Wow. And there was a guy there, my first rendition of the book, we called him by a different name because I didn't want to say his real name. Thought he might find me, you know, being in the mafia, but his first (laughs) name was Fazio. I don't know that I ever knew his last name or needed to, but yeah, but Fazio turned us on to the... uh, a connection for buying drugs yeah. and uh, marijuana laced with all kinds of LSD and THC and so forth and so on. And so mm-hmm. we would have a very strong, what they called tripping weed and so forth and so on. But we made connection with several people and started supplying uh, us with drugs that we sold to others. And we were selling drugs on high school and college campuses at Ohio State University. And I moved back and forth between New York and Columbus, Ohio. Yeah. And uh, 
started a, a, a drug business and a music business. So we were mm. selling drugs to friends and, and uh, then we were, uh, had the money and the wherewithal to play in the nightclubs and play in bands and not have to charge a lot for our gigs and that kind of thing. Because you were, you were living in a place that cost $65 a month. Well, that was a lot of money back then, Gene. <laughs> yeah, so don't make fun of that apartment. It was really nice. Uh, it, yeah, it was terrible. It was, uh, yeah, it was a furnished apartment at that for $65. Wow. So, yeah, it was quite the, uh, quite the mansion. And uh, wow. yep, it was in the worst section in Columbus, Ohio, that you could ever be in. in I fact, run through that section. Oh, it yeah. was terrible. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I. Uh, it was a challenge to walk through that neighborhood and not get mugged. Wow. And I was studying martial arts back then. That was a great combination, martial arts and getting high. And oh, wow. uh, that would take a whole nother podcast to talk about that interesting uh, combo. But yeah, it was, uh, it was, uh, uh, I, I actually got jumped in that neighborhood before and, and, uh, uh got a black eye one night in, mm. in that place, but was, but, uh, and would sell, uh, cocaine and heroin to, uh, some pretty rough characters. Wow. And so, yeah, it was, and, uh, and all that eventually led to one particular incident where somebody told you somebody was following you and you take off and yeah, I don't think I'll ever forget that. I was walking on the Ohio state campus and, uh, somebody told me that a Lieutenant Strasbo was, uh, following me guy said, don't turn around and look now. But he says, I know the, the whole narcotics department. He was another hippie guy. And he said, uh, you're being followed by Lieutenant Strasbo. So he said, I'd make sure you were clean if I were you. And so I took the cue and went back to my apartment, cleaned up all the stuff in the apartment, all the drug paraphernalia and the, the different drugs I had laying around, amphetamines and LSD, acid, so forth, and took all that. And then I, you know, I should have flushed it down the toilet, but I put it in a pocket of an Army trench coat. And I thought I'm going to hurry up and sell it uh, and get rid of it. Uh, and so if if I and busted that, uh, or they try to bust me, I won't have any of it. Right. So, you know, clear thinking of a drug addict. And, uh, so I went to a friend's house that was a beautician and she dyed my hair blonde and, and, uh, 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 cleaned it up a little bit. And so I would look different. And, uh, then I took all the drugs and I, my hair was still wet from leaving her place and stepped out on the Ohio state campus and voila, I was read my Miranda rights by some nice police officers and wow. and I was carted off to downtown Columbus with enough drugs to give me a 40-year uh, sentence as a drug pusher. Wow. wow. They, they gave me the opportunity to narc on those who sold to me and to get a smaller sentence. And then ultimately they found out my age. And so after a night in an adult uh, uh, jail cell, they found out my age, and that helped so the sentence wasn't as long. But I spent, oh golly, uh, I guess six to eight weeks, somewhere in there, at a uh, juvenile uh, detention center awaiting a court trial. Wow. And so, yeah, that kind of turned my whole life around that day. Well, and when you went to this juvenile detention center, I think that's where you met you actually met a guy, I think, if I understand the story correctly, you met a guy that you had known previously who had changed his life. Well, uh, yeah, ab ab 
actually the uh, in the uh, jail cell, uh, I had uh, uh, had some drug withdrawals, and I prayed that night to a God that I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And I said, God, I have no idea who you are. If you're Jesus, if you're Buddha, if you're Chung Su, all the Eastern religion books I'd been reading, I said, I have no idea who you are. But wherever you are, whoever you are, if you get me out of here, I'll do anything for you. Wow. And uh, I wasn't able to sleep before I prayed that prayer uh, because of the uh, amphetamine usage, and I needed some downers to sleep. And after praying that prayer, I fell into a deep sleep. Wow. And when I woke up, uh, I had a, uh, a guard calling my name and a Jewish attorney had been called by one of my neighbors and he came and uh, interviewed me and asked if I wanted to be released to an outreach for youth center that was an offshoot of Teen Challenge Ministries. Okay. And so that. I said, yeah, sure, let's do it. And so when they released me and they picked me up and took me to the Teen Challenge, God had set me up, an old buddy of mine that I used to uh, chase girls with and get in trouble with, a guy named Rick Barnes, a.k.a. Barney, uh, was there and was a counselor at the outreach center and had gone off in the Navy and gotten saved. And uh, I barely knew the term saved. I'd heard it once before from a friend of mine that that I went to school with, but Barney... uh, told me about Jesus. And he said, Bob, uh, you know, first of all, I freaked out when I saw him. I said, Barney, this is unreal. They said I wasn't allowed to leave the center without uh, one of the counselors. And here he was, one of the counselors. So I'm like, Barney, golly, this is great. Let's go have a drink somewhere. Go hit a bar and and sit and have a beer together and talk over old times. And he says, well, I'm actually... Uh, Drinking what the Bible calls new wine, <laughs> which is the uh, Holy Spirit. You yeah. know, he says, I'm filled with God's spirit. Now I'm not drinking like I once was. And wow. I'm like, you got to be kidding. Really? Well, tell me about it. Because uh, me and him were kind of raised in the same church and didn't really have a lot of faith. And I yeah. said, I'm not into religion, Rick, uh, or, you know, or Barney. And he said, Bob, I'll never forget. He said, uh, he said, this isn't religion. I said, okay, come again. Jesus isn't religion. He says, no. He says, religion is man's attempt to find God. And he said, Jesus is God's attempt to find man or reach man. Wow. And I went, wow, okay. And then he explained to me, he says, you know the band Blind Faith? I said, yeah. He said, it's not like that. You don't Mm. need blind faith to come to Jesus. He knows that you don't believe. He knows that. Santa Claus, the tooth fairy and all that. And Jesus on a cross makes about that much sense to the natural man. You don't understand all that. And he said in his, in a scripture, in the epistles that hereby, uh, he's given us his spirit or actually a, 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 one translation says he's given us an engagement ring, which is his spirit. And he said, you will, know that you're saved. The Bible talks about him giving you assurance of your salvation. It'll actually give you a little taste of heaven and hereby know that we're sons of God because he's given us his spirit. He said, so it's not blind faith. You won't, he says, if you ask him into your life, he'll show you that he's real. Wow. 
And I said, well, nobody's ever told me that before. That's yeah. wild. Let's uh, let's do it. <laughs> yeah. And he says, okay, you, you want to pray? I said, yeah. Who wow. wouldn't? He says, wow. well, there's a lot of people that don't. But he said, I'm glad you're ready. He says, because he showed me in the scripture, Revelation 3.20. Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I'll come in to him and we'll yeah. sup with him or dine with him and he with me. Yeah. And I, he said, so man, ask him into your heart right now. And he's prayers prayer after me. He said, Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. I want to know you like Barney's telling me I can know you. And I'm asking you to come into my life. Reveal yourself to me. He says, you're risen from the dead and revealing yourself to people on the earth still today. And I'm ready. Amen. And so I said, come on, Jesus, come into my heart. I'm ready for this. Uh, that's awesome. So Dean, I remember it like it was yesterday because he ran around the the uh, he ran around the uh, outreach center telling everybody Bob got saved. Bob got saved, and uh, I was like, I got what? You know, I still didn't really get the language, yeah. and I didn't really feel any different. But I went to bed that night. It was May fourteenth. I'll never forget it. And I went to bed that night, and I was thinking that I had a long jail sentence awaiting me when I went back to court. Mm -hmm. And I said to myself, you know, I better run away. There's no bars here. There's no fence around this property. I better get up early tomorrow morning and, and get out of here. Yeah. Because uh, I'm going to spend a long time in jail for all the drugs I was busted with. Right. So I went to bed that night thinking about escaping from this outreach center. Wow. And that night while I was sleeping, I think it's Second Corinthians five seventeen says, "If any man's in Christ, he's a new creature. Mm -hmm. The old is gone, the new has come." Right. But while I was sleeping, God did surgery. Wow. And I woke up the next morning a new creation in Christ. I woke up and I felt a song in my heart. I don't know any other way to describe it. I woke up with a, a heaviness that I'd had on my shoulders my whole life was gone. Wow. I knew that 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 I was saved. Wow. And uh, uh, I hadn't talked to you about this before, but I had a fear of dying and death as a young child. Wow. I guess I figured it out around nine years old that the day would come that I'd be dead and everybody else would be having fun on the playground and Bob would be dead, you know. Yeah. And I was nine and I was figured that out. And it was, it, w it wouldn't bother me every day, but it would bother me. Yeah. And so I instantly was no longer afraid of death wow. and dying. I didn't understand the concept of sin much other than I did pray that prayer with Barney and say, I'm a sinner and forgive me of my sins and my shortcomings. We've all sinned. He showed me that verse. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. So I did repent of my sins and the sin was gone. The fear was gone. The heaviness and the burden was gone. And wow. I knew that I was saved. And uh, I got up that morning and went down uh, stairs to the dorm was upstairs. I went downstairs to a chapel service where there was blacks, whites, Puerto Ricans. There was a piano. There was some conga drums. And there was people already started, all ages groups. And these guys were all from mainly drug yeah. and, and alcohol abuse, were playing those congas and and the music had already started. And of course I was a musician 
and uh, got that beat going. And first thing they were singing, I'm so glad Jesus set me free. Wow. And they, they were singing that. And I started singing along with them. And I knew that I knew that I knew. And that, that started the, it all. That is the very epitome of you are a new creation. <laughs> yes, sir. The very epitome. And then, then you took what I understand. You took $40 that you had left over from the last drug deals that you had. And you went out and bought the biggest Thompson's Chain reference Bible you could find. At the time, they were only about $20. Is that right? So I spent 20 of that 40 on a Thompson chain and the other 20 on a haircut. And I went home with a haircut and a big, big old Bible. And we're going to talk more about that story when we come back. Yep. Sounds great. You get up early before the kids for your morning workout. Spend some time studying or reading your devotion. And pick up the kids each afternoon. Whatever the moment, J Radio has you covered. Get your account at jradio.com and download the app in your app store. J Radio, music for every moment. All right, so we're back, and now. You still have to pay the price, right? So you, you, this is great. You know, you've changed your life and, and obviously God has just filled you up and, uh, but you still have a court date and you still have to worry about paying the price for what you had done. Correct? No, that's right, Dean. And a lot of the fellows there at the Outreach for Youth Center said, don't worry about it. God got Frankie over here out of a 40 year sentence and got so-and-so off of this, that, and the other. So when you go in there, just tell the judge that you've had a changed life and we'll be praying and believing God that you won't have a sentence. Wow. And so I went in on my day there and I remember when they pulled out the, uh, exhibit a of all the drugs I was busted with. And my father nearly passed out when he saw it because it was, a, he knew nothing about any of this. Did he? No. And it was a large amount of drugs. Wow. And the judge said to me, uh, when we told of my conversion, he said, well, I like to believe you son, but he says in my position as a judge, I have seen so many jailhouse conversions, yeah. people that get saved and get religion because they want to get out of a sentence. Yeah. So I'm going to sentence you to, I forget how many years, but he says we're going to, post, uh, what do they call that, where they postpone it? or We're giving you a 20-year sentence, but we're going to, we're going to go ahead and, and put you on a, like a parole instead. But I am going to put you uh, with, uh, I think it was 13 weeks in a diagnostic center okay. called the juvenile diagnostic center jdc okay. and people in columbus ohio young people if you tell them jdc they know that's the kids jail yeah and so uh there was it was a huge facility with uh yards and uh barbed wire uh kind of like you see in the movies guys outside playing working yeah. with weights and playing shooting shooting hoops and this that and the other and and for recreation time and inside was a lot of different uh, cells or groups and they put me in a, a short-term place cuz I was only going to be in there for 13 weeks so they put me in a group 55 yeah and in that group I was uh it was like a holding cell okay. and so the cool part of that 
was I got to meet all these guys. Everybody came into 55 before they were placed somewhere else. So I got to make a, a tremendous influence and impact in other young people's lives. And I got to witness to people in wow. all these different groups. And I never got placed into a different group. So uh, the whole 13 weeks at the JDC turned into an amazing evangelistic opportunity for me that I have, uh, that started out my Christianity uh, unbelievably in an amazing way. Um, well, as it, I understand it, there were a number of guys who gave their life to Christ as a, as a result. Well, no, they did. I ended up, you know, I should have checked the number. Uh, I probably I have it in my book. Is what okay. Was in the book. Yeah. Cause I was thinking 55 was the group number and I was going to say 44 or 45. Yeah. I had them in, in notches in the uh, written in the front of my Bible. Right? And I sent off that Thompson chain to have it re, uh, uh, bound yeah. and they cut out the first couple of those pages where oh. I had those 45, uh, etchings in there. You know, I had the one, two, three, four, and a five across and another five, yeah. but yeah, it was really something that was God saying, don't worry about the O's. I got more for you coming down the there road. There you right? go. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's good. But so I did get opportunity to witness. It was still a scary experience because it really was, uh, a jail yeah, and it was some of the roughest characters you've ever associated with. I can't imagine. There was crazy things that happened in there and mm. uh, you did have to worry about being beat up and you did have to worry about people attacking you and getting people offended and this, that and the other. But God had a big old hedge of protection around me yeah. and it was amazing uh, on uh, how I got to be a witness, but that was awesome. You know, and, and then what happened next? What, from what I understand now, you, you, of course you still had this love of music and that love of music has never left you, never will leave you. But the type of music that you really enjoyed changed while you were there. Right. How, how did that happen? Well, uh, in the uh, in the diagnostic in the diagnostic center, uh, or you, or, uh, I, yeah, yeah, now, didn't you? What there were some there was a group that came and, and sang, right? That, okay, yeah. well, and let me let me uh, back up for just okay. a second and tell this story, yeah. but and then I'll get to the music part if I could. Yeah. So when I was in the diagnostic center, there was young people there. Uh, that were, I started to say, I use some wisdom and I would witness to the smaller of the guys. And, <laughs> and because the big guys would, you know, could punch my teeth out. Yeah. So I want a bunch of small, the smaller stature guys to the Lord. And one day a guy named Kim Carter got, got busted. Uh, well, he didn't get busted. They, they, they found a knife missing out of the cafeteria and they put everybody through group exercise. And Kim ended up, uh, uh, sitting down, they let him go uh, and not do the exercise. And they also, they said, Kim, you, you're getting out next week. We know you didn't take it. Go sit down. And they said, Rev, they called me the Reverend. So they said, Rev, we know you didn't do it. Go sit there and, con and, and convert Kim. He needs Jesus. And so Kim sat down next to me with big old tears in his eyes, nobody else around. He said, so What's going on with Rusty and all these other guys that are that are finding Jesus? Tell me how tell me how I find Jesus. He was wow. serious. So I led Kim Carter to Christ. Wow. And Kim then after that, that's when the magic started happening. Is that right? Okay. After okay. Kim got saved, 
everybody started saying to me, uh, all the other big guys come up to me and say, I want what Kim's got. I want what Kim's got. So I started leading all these black guys, white guys. Kim was a big old black man with huge biceps, and he had the respect of all the, the yeah. guys there. And Kim, getting saved, led all these other people who want to get saved. And that's how we ended up with 45 conversions wow. in 13 weeks etched in my Bible. So then they released me from the JDC back to Outreach for Youth. Okay. And at Outreach for Youth, and I had to, the program at Outreach for Youth was nine months long. And so, wow. so at the Outreach for Youth, the World Ministry Singers came through town. Okay. And they were a singing and evangelistic group based out of Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And they were looking for a drummer. And that's how I... What are the odds? I know. I know, I know. So that really excited me. And I ended up getting my GED because I hadn't finished my high school. Wow. Working with the World Ministry Singers and playing with them for a bunch of years. Then I ended up going to college and getting almost straight A's in college. Wow. But that's a whole different story. But anyhow, I traveled with the World Ministry Singers, played harmonica and drums in a band. We traveled the nation. We played in churches. We played on high school campuses, college campuses. We witnessed on campuses from University of Florida and Gainesville to Ohio State and all points in between Canada to Colorado and had amazing experience leading literally thousands and thousands of people to Christ all across the nation. But God used us back in the 70s to lead a lot of people to Christ. Boy, when God started using you, he, he, he put you right to work. Well, you know, he did. And I'm, I'm very honored that he did. Yeah. Back in the days uh, when I first got saved, I was in that band. And then I was out on street streets, you know, telling young people about Christ. And I actually ran into people that I used to sell drugs to that would come up to me and say, hey, Bob LaBelle, you got any stuff? And I said, man, do I? I got the best stuff that I've ever had. This will get get you higher than any kind of high you've ever seen. A friend of mine is the famous trumpet player, Phil Driscoll. And Phil says, there's no high like the most high. And wow. that's what I was telling these guys, man, this is like this is like the high that God meant you to, to, to be on. Wow. And so I got to lead these people to Christ. But yeah, so, so it awesome. went from individuals to being on stage in churches and schools and all over. And then the day came when, and I don't mean to get ahead of your, yeah, no. your questions, but, but then the day came where I discovered a radio station yeah. and you got to flip that microphone on and talk to a hundred thousand people. Yeah. And that was uh, a real thrill to be able to talk to more people about Christ. But uh, I've been a Christian now for many, many years and get to talk about Jesus every day. So it's very exciting to Isn't me. Awesome? Yeah, absolutely. Well, after you you went, you said you went to college, as as you said, and that was it. Lee, it was Lee College back then. It was Lee University yeah. now in Cleveland, Tennessee, yeah. so right up the road from here. Yeah, and um, you were kind of a typical uh, struggling college student, right? Um, oh yeah. And I love the the story in the book that that you talk about. You you, you didn't have enough money to buy a heavy coat. And you're going back home to Ohio, and you're driving down the road, and you look over, and there's somebody you know. Right in the car next to you. Boy, you did read the book. Those, I did. You, those are some exciting stories of how God provided for yeah. us. But we had actually just prayed for because we were struggling college students and we were praying for money for coats and really didn't have it. Yeah. And uh, and so uh, 
looked over in a car and uh, on the freeway, and there were some people there that were actually uh, blew the horn at us. And uh, we pulled off the side of the road, and it was some people that we'd gone to church with for a very short period of time in Dayton, Ohio. And uh, they had just been praying about some monies they had that they felt like they were supposed to give to someone over Christmas. And when they saw us, they said, that's it, the LaBelles, let's give them the money. And if I'm not mistaking, it was about $500. Wow. And that's plenty to buy two coats and, and yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah, God's, uh, God's provided on every level for a lot of years. That's amazing. Uh, and then one of my, maybe my, I was telling my wife, I, after I read this part of the book, now I said I sat down and I read the entire book before I got up, but that's not true. I got up after I read this story because <laughs> it just, I'm like, you're not going to believe this. You're not going to believe this. <laughs> So you're, you're driving along and you're, you had a Volkswagen. Uh, I was thinking you were going for this story. This is a nearly unbelievable it story. It really is. Tell the story. Oh, my gosh. Well, this would this would lead to the future with, you know, where like David said, he, he killed a lion and then he killed a bear and then he went after Goliath. You know, some of these miracles would happen and it, it would later get make me where I'd believe for needing $800,000 in one day yeah. and, and believe that God could do anything. But this is one of those, those stories, Dean, that blows my mind. But I was in an old Volkswagen that burned oil and I actually had a case of oil in the back of it because every so many miles you had to put in a new one, you know, and let it burn yeah. that one. Yeah. <laughs> and so I accidentally apparently didn't screw down the uh, oil cap, oil cap mm -hmm. well enough and it I don't know what happened but anyhow I ended up on the side of the road and I, I put oil in it but there was no oil cap and there was smoke all over the place from it blowing the the uh uh, smoke on the, on the, uh, on, the on the manifold and so mm -hmm. forth blowing the uh, oil and so I didn't know what to do. And it was after hours. We pulled into a uh, gas station, yeah. and the and the gas station, the, the convenience store was open. The gas station was not. Um, no, the convenience store had closed as well. Okay. And the lady was closing the door, and she was telling me where I could go to so many miles away to get to, to uh, a uh, auto shop. parts store okay. and this kind of thing. And it was a work day the next week or the next day, and I had to get home. And so anyhow, I just believed God. And so I said, uh, let's pray. So I uh, took hold of my wife's hand and said, let's pray for this and pray for uh, – I said, you know what, if I had – we need to pray for a gas cap, but if I had a piece of foil about this long, yeah, we could fold that up and I could make it into a little uh, – gas cap yeah to keep or, the get the oil in oil cap yeah and uh so let's pray for for some uh for a uh piece of foil so we prayed for foil and for god to, to give us an answer and i getting ahead of the story a little bit i climbed through a dumpster first looking for right. foil and couldn't find it right. couldn't find one so then we prayed the prayer and and we had looked up from saying amen for the prayer and if if I'm lying, I'm dying. May lightning strike me dead and <laughs> while we're doing this. If this didn't really happen, we look up from praying, and here is a dog that had apparently gotten a piece of tinfoil off of somebody's grill. It still had the 
little pressed marks where the burgers had been. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, he had that foil in his mouth, and he was trotting proudly across a parking lot right toward me and laid the tinfoil down at my feet and then trotted off across the parking oh lot. Oh, my goodness. Dean, you talk about surreal. I can't imagine. And I sat and saw that, and I went, oh, my goodness. And I'd been traveling the country and the world ministry singers and whatnot, telling people that Jesus was real, watching God save people and telling amazing stories of God's goodness. But that beat all for me at that time. I was like, so the God that made the universe heard my prayer for tinfoil and spoke to a dog to and told him where to go get a piece of foil. And he not only got it in his mouth, but he trotted over to me and laid it at my feet. Well, I folded it up, and that thing worked. You talk about innovation, brother. It worked. It kept the the, the oil in the manifold or in, in, in the oil. I'm not a mechanic, okay, whatever that's called. Yeah. It kept it in the crankcase or whatever it's called. Yep. And I... I hardly wanted to go to an auto parts store the next day and buy the real one. It's kind of like, yeah. I want to keep it there forever. It's God's God's oil cap, man. And so, so we made it home, and uh, God provided miraculously. And uh, and I've never forgotten that as long as I live. It's one of those prayers. I that, can't imagine how you could forget something. No, like that. it's yeah. just totally amazing what God has done and what Gosh. He'll do to those who, who believe. You know, people ask me a lot of times, how do you get, especially if they read my book, how do you get so many answers to prayer? And I've thought about it, and I think one of the one of the, the best answers is that verse in the Bible that says, You have not. Because you ask not. Ask and receive that your joy might be full. The average Christian doesn't want to put God on the spot. You don't want to ask God for a piece of tinfoil because because he probably won't do it. And you're thinking, well, then I'll have to admit that my God really isn't that powerful. So if you you have not because you ask not. Ask and receive. And some of the other miracles you've read about in my in my book, my life story, the reason that that they they happen for me is because I believed. And Jesus said to his, his followers, "If you had have faith as a grain of mustard seed, yeah. if you'd speak to a mountain and tell it to be removed and be cast into the sea, and won't doubt in your heart, but believe that you have whatever thing you say, it'll happen." Yeah. And so it really just takes childlike faith and. Uh, Maybe that's that's why God uses a lot of the Bible says he he takes the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. Maybe Dean, that's why he uses drug addicts and these guys from Teen Challenges because they're not college professors. They they're they're not super wealthy. That they they do leave home without their American Express, <laughs> and and so they have to believe God or they're gonna. Not have a, have the answer, and so and when you hear it from them, there, you, there's no agenda behind it. Yeah, where, which is what you're always thinking about from other people, and sure. so that's why that's so effective. Right? Sure, yeah. yeah. Well, now, okay, so all this happens. You had some normal jobs, so to speak. You know, after you graduate from college, but eventually you got an opportunity, right, to to get into radio. But I but did. it wasn't it wasn't the one you were looking for initially, though, was it? 
Well, when you say, uh, did you have a normal job? I feel like my life hasn't been very normal, to be <laughs> well, that's, honest. But that's yes, true. But yes, yeah. I, I really did. I, I went did to work. sales stuff, right? Yeah, I worked yeah. for the largest cell phone company in the nation, mm-hmm. which was Macaw Cellular, DBA Cellular One. Mm-hmm. I was their top producing sales rep in 127 markets, made amazing pay. Wow. Worked in uh, uh, selling uh, Halon fire extinguishers across America and many days made 2,500. This is back in the, uh, eighties made $2,500 a day before noon. And so I made an amazing income and had all this going on for me, but I really felt like God had something spectacular for me to do that he wanted me to do. That was, not just a regular job. And I don't look at people that work jobs as mechanics and different things. I don't look down at them because that's their ministry. And God can use you in all different kinds of uh, ways and what he has you to do. Look at me. (laughs) And so, I mean, so I don't, but I just felt this restlessness. I had had this spectacular Childhood, getting saved and traveling in the world ministry singers, leading people to Christ all across the nation. So selling somebody a cell phone didn't scratch that itch for me. Right. Or selling them a fire extinguisher uh, didn't do this do that. So I was really looking for God's will in my life. Yeah. And a lady came up to me at a Bible study one day and she said, I feel like God is, uh, you've been asking God for uh, to guide you and and uh, lead you at what he have you do in his life and I, somehow I just feel like the Lord wanted me to tell you that you're going to find the answer to that in your talents in the wow. area of your talents yeah well I don't know about you Dean but so you ever had a person come up to you and give you a kind of a word like that from the Lord sometimes you go thank you and you walk away scratching your head going guy I was I, I wish she hadn't said, yeah I wish I wish she hadn't told me that story because I have no idea what she was but anyhow I took down what she said and I wrote down the things that I was good at my talents I was a good public speaker I was a drummer I was a salesman I had studied broadcasting in college at Lee and I wrote down broadcasting and I wrote down all these different things and I start praying about them. Okay, God, if, if she's right, if I'm going to find my the answer to your calling in my life for my talent, it's in one of these areas. So I was praying over those. And right around that time, I got a phone call from a friend of mine named Rod Davis. And he was a general manager of a Christian radio station in Cleveland, Tennessee called Superpower 103 at 103.1 FM. Yeah. And he said, uh, hey, man, I, uh, I'm working for the station. We're having lots of trouble. And I just thought I'm the general manager, but he said, I'm in way over my head. I barely know what I'm doing. I really could use you to come over here and look this over, kick the tires and, uh, and see if you can help us figure out how to fix this place, you know, cause it's messed up. Yeah. I said, well, I'll be happy to Rod. So I dropped by there after work. I was working for a cell phone company. And I went over there and uh, and uh, checked out the uh, his radio station. They had engineering issues. They had lawsuits. They had a cash flow issue. They had every kind of problem imaginable. I looked it all over, took notes, and I honestly thought to myself, okay, this place is more messed up than I could ever help them. They need God and a bunch of angels to show up and fix this place. And... I am not that guy. And I literally 
it was after work and I was hungry for dinner. I was thinking, I'm going to go home and eat. And so I looked it all over with him and I told him, I, I said, you know, I don't really know that I can help you, but let me have a word of prayer with you. And uh, we'll talk more later. And I was honestly just wanting out of there. Yeah. And uh, but I sincerely uh, said, let's pray. So I bowed my head with Rod Davis. And it was I think the year was 92. And I said, Lord, help them at this radio station. And they they need help. And I don't really know what to do for them. But I'm just praying that you help them and you guide them and you direct them. And I got ready to tag that prayer in the radio business. We call that a tag, which you put at the end. I was going to tag it with the world famous tag that Christians put at the end of a prayer and they should. And that's in Jesus name. And I was getting ready to do that. And on my way to eat dinner. And before I could say in Jesus name, God spoke to me. I'd heard a Lutheran pastor many years before told me that God spoke to him and called him into the ministry. And I wanted that more than anything in the world, but I'd never had God speak to me. I mean, I knew he was real, but didn't have him speak to me. And the Lord said to me, this is mine. Watch me raise it up. Wow. Dean, I was like a kid at Christmas. First of all, I was stunned. I got goosebumps. I was stunned. (laughs) Wow. I looked up to see if Rod heard the same thing. If his eyes were open and he was looking around and he wasn't, he was still praying with his eyes closed tight. And the Lord said, this is mine. Watch me raise it up. Well, that day changed my whole life. Wow. I was like a kid at Christmas. I went to work the next day at the cell phone company, but I hurried up and got done and rushed over there to see what I could do to help. Yeah. And and not to see what I could do, but to see how God was going to use me. Yeah. And he said, this is mine. Watch me. So I prayed every day and asked God to what he's going to do next. We found an engineer that fixed some of their problems. They weren't in stereo for years. And this engineer found that somebody had taken away one of their channels and used it for music on hold. And he took it off the music off hold and put it back on the air. So it was stereo. And then there was engineering issues. We found a, we found an engineer that fixed things. We found financial deals. I put together a plan to, uh, to get some of his debt taken off of him. We put a sales force together and started selling. And within a very short period of time, this place was turned around miraculously wow. uh, for the glory of God. My and uh, yeah, we put together a deal to as we as we paid off some of the debt that the uh, stock would transfer to a new corporation that I'd set up as Partners for Christian Media, which was yeah. a 501c3 nonprofit. And I was well on my way to putting that together when the man at this radio station uh, that had that uh, that had hired us, uh, had his daughter-in-law uh, and son come back from college and want to work at his radio station. And so he gave us the left foot of fellowship. And we wow. uh, I literally got fired from from that, that job. After God had After said, this is that. mine, yes. watch me raise it up. And he started to do it. And I got thrown out uh, and was fired. And I sat at home going, okay, God, what next? You called me. You gave me. A, I, I heard you speak to me. This is mine. Let me watch me raise it up. 
what am I supposed to do now? I don't want to watch from a distance. I want to be right there. No. (laughs) The phone rings, and it was a man named Jim Sattler that had, he and his wife owned a Christian radio station in Chattanooga that went out of business. And he called me, he says, I was going to a dumpster and getting ready to throw out all these letters that people had written our ministry, begging us not to go off the air. I was going to throw them in a dumpster, but I thought, because I knew you were talking about starting a radio station, wonder if you could use all these. So he gave me all those, and I put together a brochure, and we took every one of those names and had a friend put them in a a computer for our first database, and we did our first mail out writing people and asking them to support a new Christian radio station. Wow. And, And... out of the blue. Yes, sir. Wow. And so that's how we got started. And then I start, I hired a consultant to look for uh, a frequency, to find us a frequency. And we found a frequency at 102.7 FM in Chattanooga. Mm-hmm. And uh, we went to them and asked if they were uh, for sale. And they said, yes, we would, it has to be totally confidential. You can't share this with anyone, but mm-hmm. yes, we will sell. And I said, would you lease to us? And they said, no, we, we can't lease to you. Uh, it's just for sale. Right. And you come up with 1.6 million, uh, we'll go ahead and sell it to you. Do you have that kind of money? <laughs> and I, uh, some call this Christian lying, but, uh, I was speaking by faith and I said, I don't have have uh, 1.6 million, but I have partners that do. Well, I, the corporation that we started was called Partners for Christian Media. Right. And I'd already went out and, at, and opened my P.O. box and uh, f- ran into a friend at the post office that gave me the first check. He says, I'll put in 10 bucks a month to be part of your deal, to be uh-huh. one of your partners. And so I I started raising partners. Yeah. So I looked this guy right in the eye. I said, I don't have 1.6 million, but I do have partners. Yeah. I have partners that do. He says, okay, well, great. So we started negotiations. Well, I'm condensing the story for time's sake today, but he called me back in a panic just a few weeks later. He says, I told you we weren't going to lease to you. And I told you it was totally confidential. And I'm not blaming you. It's our fault. But the word got out through our accounting group, our accountants, that we're selling the station. And we've had people quit. We've had our uh, on-air people looking for other jobs at other places. And he said, we're in a real bind. So my owner of the station, my boss, says to go ahead and lease to you if you don't have the money today. Uh, until you come up with the money for the purchase. So we'll do a lease purchase agreement. And huh. so he says, we need 13000 That We agreed on a 13995 a month. Well, that's close to what I had in the bank. I had about 250 bucks in the bank. So that's close, isn't it? <laughs> so this is the God of that could bring tinfoil and lay it at my feet. I, I, yeah. So I'm like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> So we went out and I started knocking on doors to raise the money and I started raising close to $50,000 and the day before, Dean, the day before we were supposed to go on the air with it, I was still, I think, $8,600 away from the money we needed and two gentlemen, 
I can call their name now. At one time, they didn't want it done years ago, but it was a, a company called Card Monroe Company. They, really? They, yeah. I, you know those guys? Yeah. They're tough. They they're in the tufting well, business. Those, those guys, but I, I I was in the tuft. I was in the carpet business. So you know, I know yeah, Monroe, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Those guys. They wow. have a book on tufting on their company, and uh, anyhow, uh, they gave me. Uh, they called me the day. No, I called them because they asked me to. I called them the day before, and I, they said, "Well, you ready to go on there?" I said, "Just about." And uh, one of the bro- brothers or uh, said, uh, "Let's go ahead." And uh, uh, he said, uh, "How much do you need?" I said, "Eighty-six hundred." He said, "I'll speak for the other that we can each do forty-three hundred apiece." I think they were thinking I was going to need more. They were relieved that it was only forty-three hundred apiece. <laughs> And they laid the money out, and we leased the station. And it's been, that was 27, 28 years ago. Yeah. And we've been in the business ever since. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That is, you know, we've all been in that that spot before at some point or another where something happens. And we feel like God is pushing us in a direction, and God wants us to do certain things or move into a certain area or whatever it may be. And then something stops us in yes, our tracks. And yeah. this is what happened to you. We, you know, you just, all of a sudden, you, you don't have a job. Yeah, complete you know? setback. And, and uh, but how hard was it for you in that moment to say, God, I know this is just, this is just a setback. You know, I mean, did you have some doubts at any point where, okay, maybe, maybe I didn't hear what I really heard from God. You know, we're human, Dean, and so those doubts always happen. Even yeah. with Jesus, the devil said, mm-hmm. you know, sure. that has God really said this? Is he really, you know, is, is this really God that's, that's spoken to you? And so uh, absolutely. But the uh, vision that God put in my heart was so real that it drove me forward every day. Yeah. And so we leased that station and then we converted it to a purchase and bought the station and then the people at the other station that fired us called us back and said we've got that station uh and we're getting ready to sell it we've had a, a an offer a uh, guy up in chicago we're wants gonna we're to gonna buy come back us. to that okay here in just a minute we're yeah. gonna take a break and we're gonna come right back all right yes sir Do you struggle with motivation to exercise? Are you looking for something that will challenge you and inspire and motivate you? The Run For God Run Club is just what you need to get off the couch and on your way to a fitter, healthier you. Stop trying to get into better shape and do it with the help and inspiration of thousands of others who are going through the same challenges you face. Whether you are participating in the Couch to Marathon Challenge or any of our other challenges, or you're just looking for a daily pick-me-up to get active, join the Run for God Run Club today. You can join for as little as 27 cents a day. So what are you waiting for? Get started today at runforgod.com. So you're about to tell this story, and I've heard this story before, and it's just it's, it's fabulous. So, because you you got the radio station 102.7, but you knew that God gave you this vision for 103.1, and so the idea was to pull both those stations together, I guess, and that's what eventually becomes J103. Right. But but at this point in time, 
you don't have 103.1. So how does that happen? Well, for people that aren't in our immediate area, 102.7 covers the Chattanooga market, and then 103.1 covers adjacent markets that takes us all through the local towns up to the next big city, which is Knoxville. Mm -hmm. And that actually uh, quadruples our geographic coverage area. The 103.1 is a 50,000-watt station, whereas the one in uh, in uh WBDX in Chattanooga is only, I think, 5,000 watts. Oh, okay. And so it's a it's a big, big difference. Yeah. So I really felt the Lord wanted us to have it and told us that he did. And so um, they had fired us, and then they call us back and say, we'd, we'd like for you to have it because you told us the, the man that owned it was a God-fearing man, and he said, you told us that God told you it was it was. Now they misquoted. I told you God said, "This is mine. Uh, watch me raise it up." Yeah. They heard that story, but they said you told us that God told you it was it was yours, uh, and it wasn't Bob's. It was God's. Right. But I they said, but they remembered that you said you told us that God told you this was yours, and so so you were going to use it for His purposes. We know the guy we're selling to in Chicago is going to make it a rock station. And so we wanted to give you the first chance to to, to have it. Yeah. And so this, I think, was on a Wednesday, and they said, we have to let them know by Monday morning that uh, we're going to accept or reject their offer. Right. So we need you to go ahead and show up with a check for $800,000 at my house, uh, a, a certified check. Just by the way, just eight hundred thousand. Yeah, just eight hundred thousand dollars by Sunday night. We go to bed about nine o'clock at night, so you'll have to come over by then and uh, put the check in my hand if we're going to do business. Wow! I hung up and thanked him, and I went into my prayer closet and I said, "God, I have no idea how to raise eight hundred thousand dollars." I'd been anticipating the the maybe getting that station back, so I'd actually tried. I'd talked to foundations and different wealthy people, and man, we were just barely getting by with one hundred two point seven, paying yeah. the bills every month. You yeah. know, thousands of dollars worth of bills, and I didn't have eight hundred thousand. I was like, where would we get eight hundred thousand dollars? So when I went into prayer after that, uh, I I was like, okay, God, I have no idea where to get $800,000. I don't know. So you're going to have to raise somebody up. If you, you said, this is mine, watch me raise it up. So I'm believing you to raise somebody up with the money because I don't know where to go. Yeah. In the name of Jesus. Amen. (laughs) And that was my prayer. Wow. And the next morning I came into work and the uh, girl at the front desk said, uh, you have a phone call. She called me in my office said, you have a phone call on line two or whatever, and a guy named Bono. And I said, okay, I'll take it. And uh, I picked it up, and it was a guy on the line. He said, I'll and never. you didn't know this guy? No. The only Bono I ever heard of was Sonny Bono, yeah. you know, like, like. <laughs> Sonny and Cher. That's right. And I said, I picked up the phone, and this guy on the other end of the line says, hi, my name's Tony Bono, and he says, I work for KSBJ in Houston. 
I'm an engineer. He says, my wife and I just sold a radio station in Oklahoma, and we have the money in a 1031 exchange that's sitting there, uh, and it has to be, uh, uh, I forget how what they call that, but he said, it has to be rolled over into another investment by Monday, and so we're really praying about what to do with it, and God had uh, as really, we were going to buy a country station, country music, but my wife and I felt like the Lord said his, his return was near and we were to use this for Christian music or for Christian, for God's purposes. So I called an engineer friend of mine in Atlanta and asked if he knew anybody that was doing anything for God that might want a partner. And he said he's heard you on the air before. He didn't know you personally, but he's heard you on the air when he's been through town there. And he thought that you might be a, a, a good phone call to make. And then he asked me the question that I will never forget as long as I live. He said, uh, Mr. LaBelle, do you have anywhere you could use $800,000? And he called the dollar amount. Oh, my goodness. That is just, <laughs> I mean, that, that, it, that's just a bigger piece of tinfoil is what that is. Yes, I sir. Mean, that, that, yes, sir. That is an incredible story. Really and, and you mentioned too, the, 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 and I love the way God winks at us, right? You mentioned that he had it in a 1031 account. Yes, sir. 103.1, 1031, yeah. right? And we failed to mention in the story a few minutes ago that the first $10 donation ever given to 1027 I had asked my bookkeeper to give us that check so we could put the guy I met I ran into at the post office gave us that ten dollars yeah I asked her for it one day to put in a uh, frame and put it on the wall like you do in a pizza shop the first ten bucks or first twenty dollars I went ahead and wanted to put it on the wall as our very first donation ever to the ministry and we did and one of our associates uh, went over and saw it on the wall and she says did you, she says, oh my gosh. She says, have you ever noticed the check number on this check? And I said, no. And I still wasn't seeing it. And she says, look at the check number. She says, this check was given to you a year before you knew what frequency, before you hired the consulting engineer and even found it. Yeah. And it was check number 1027. Yeah. So the money given us for 1027 FM was on check number 1027. Wow. The money given us for 1031 was on a 1031 exchange. That is Unbelievable. Why? The way God works. Is that it's wild? Just, just absolutely incredible. So yeah. Tony flew into town, brought with them a, uh, a cashier's check for $800,000, purchased the station from the man that owned it, and leased it to us with a purchase option, and uh, the rest of it's history. And, yeah. And yeah. so... Wow. Thus, two radio stations. And then we've got a third station that I'm not sure you're aware of. I'm not. That's up on uh, uh, Signal Mountain that covers Mowbray Mountain, Soddy Daisy, that area. It's kind of a blind spot. Yeah. We got a call one day from K-Love out in California that owned uh, a tower, a, a repeater that covers that area, a low-power station, basically. Yeah. And they said for some reason they couldn't use it for their purposes, and and they... Not only did they give it to us, they said, we're going to do better than give it to you. We're going to keep the ownership in our name because you're a nonprofit and we're a nonprofit. We're going to 
pay for it, the electric bill every month and everything, and just and let you just use it indefinitely wow. until Jesus comes back. So we've been using that for about 20 years, and they pay the electric bill on it. I didn't even know that. Yep. And, that, and that, you know, that's so interesting to me because K-Love is, is really a competitor in some ways, right? I mean, they're, they're in the Christian music business as well. Yeah. But, but that's absolutely. the way God works. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the title of the book's Finding God's Frequency, and there's three frequencies that God gave us. Yeah. <laughs> Boom. That, Just like that. That is so, so awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, when we come back, we're going to talk about some of the other things that we're in, that you guys are into in Partners for Christian Media. While you are working hard to keep your body in shape physically, the music you listen to while you run can help keep you in shape spiritually. We have partnered with J Radio to put together a group of running playlists by Mitchell, Lane, Holly, me, and others that you hear on the Run Club podcast. Plus, you can listen to a playlist put together by members of Run Club just like you. Check out the whole station of Run For God playlist now at jradio.com and in the J Radio app. All right, so we're back. And now if, if, uh, if you're listening to this, if you've listened to the podcast at, at all at any point in time, then you've heard of J Radio. J Radio has been uh, the principal sponsor of this podcast from its very beginning. Years ago, and um, you guys have known that there's some value in the in the whole online music business now for some time. Yes, and sir. So you guys got into J Radio for that purpose, right? About ten years ago, okay, is when we started putting it all together for that, and here we are, ten years later, that about half of all listening to uh, str- uh, music is done through streaming now. Wow, half. Yeah. So what what does that include? Like if if you take a, I guess if you look at like Apple Music, is that considered online? Yes, it is. Okay. Spotify, Pandora, all that's. That's all online stuff. Considered online, yeah. Yeah. So radio is still king of the car. Yeah. When you're driving to and from work, but the average young person nowadays doesn't have a radio at, at home. Yeah. In fact, to some, we're in the radio business, but if you go over to J103 Partners for Christian Media and interview 25 people in my building with a one-question survey as, do you have a radio at home, I would dare say that 99% of our people would say no. Is that right? Yeah. And I don't think I do. Well, I, I've got one, but... I don't. I don't ever use it. Yeah, I don't ever use it. So yeah, yeah it's that's an interesting thought. That's <laughs> yeah. that's the way we. That's the way we consume it these days. It but but when we're in the car, it's still the way we listen to things. Isn't that interesting? Yes, sir. That's very. That's fascinating. Well, so so J Radio, you've got thousands of listeners on J Radio. Um, you've got now. I think that J one hundred three reaches two up up to two million people. The footprint of J one hundred and three. Yeah, I think right? the population area is at least a couple million. Yeah, and, and uh, uh, indications are probably a hundred thousand listeners. Okay, uh, is is our, our guesstimate? Wow, we don't pay for the rating services nowadays, so I can't give you exact figures and all that kind of thing. But but you're hearing stories from people who are calling into the radio station from every day over. from all over the place. I and, travel and speak in churches all over, and I go down to near Knoxville and. Watts Bar Dam and 
drive down country roads and following a GPS and go to a church out in the middle of nowhere and walk in there on a Sunday morning and have people come up to me with tears in their eyes and thank me for J103 Radio and tell their story of how God used it to impact their lives. And it blows my mind, uh, the reach of of terrestrial radio. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's it's yeah. crazy. So, is it is it is it strange now? What, from a business standpoint, is it you? Of course, with J one hundred and three, you're really focusing on local area. Mm-hmm. But with online radio, you're thinking about well, really internationally. That's right? correct. That's so correct. Does that does that hurt your brain sometimes to shift those gears? <laughs> well, it's certainly made the the uh, opportunities greater. Yeah. To reach more people around the world, but it also stretches your mind on how to uh, monetize or fund these kind of programs that reach uh, nationally. That's a big and, challenge. And internationally. It? it is. Yeah. It is. It is a stretch. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so so you got the the radio stations you got uh, J Radio, which is an online music thing, but you've also got this other thing because we we talk all the time on our podcast about stories. We share somebody's story every week, and when we share stories, that's that's what people want to hear. Right? Absolutely, our stories are so important. Our testimony is so important to us. And you guys began something that does that very thing, right? Absolutely, Dean. The uh, early uh, disciples uh, uh, told their stories. Mm-hmm. In First uh, John, it says, the disciples said, that which we've seen and heard and handled of the word of life, that declare we unto you. We're going to tell you our story. Yeah. Paul would talk about what happened to him on the road of Emmaus, and they'd tell what happened to him. And one of my favorite verses is in the Psalm. Psalm 9 says, I will praise you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of all the marvelous things you have done. And uh, I love to tell my story like we've done here today. I really appreciate the opportunity to tell you how great God has been and how real he's been in my life. But God laid on my heart about 10 years ago. uh, I was out at a retreat and uh, he gave me the whole vision in my heart of how to how to use the media to reach people for Christ. We've been using radio, and we had around a hundred people a month call in on an eight hundred number and and say they want to find the Lord. But I felt like God was laying on my heart to reach more people using secular media and all forms of media. So one of our foundational verses is Matthew 419, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Mm -hmm. And the Lord wouldn't give me any rest. I'd wake up in the morning and that verse would be in my mind, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. I want you using media to fish for for more men. And I'm like, okay, what what are you saying? So I was staying up at night watching TV and I saw... Uh, one of the 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 uh, sects uh, or um, uh, non Christian uh, cult using a uh, radio commercial. They had, a, in fact, it was a running commercial. Imagine oh, wow. that today. So uh, where we sit today, talking yeah. to Dean with Run for God. So here was this girl running in slow motion, and and it was raining, and she was crying. And uh, it was overcast. Anyhow, there was tears running down her face, and she was running and crying. And uh, she was in running gear. And 
the uh, announcer came on and said, life is too short to run alone. This message brought to you by beep, and it would say the name of their religious organization that wasn't Christian. And I began to get the vision. And I said, we've got to tell the gospel and tell our stories online using every form of media. I want to do it on billboards, TV, radio, you name it. Yeah. And so I started talking to our board about it. I went out and raised $60,000 from local businessmen, went and bought billboards, and I put people's stories on it. I put a picture of a man, and next to him it says, CBS executive, friends with Michael Jackson, but still empty. Another one was a picture of a guy, and it said, uh, Dad's affair at church made me bitter. And the name of the ministry was ComeOnLet'sGo.com. I remember those. Do you remember those? Oh, yes. Yes. Because you couldn't help it. You're like, what is that? What is that? What does that mean? Yeah, what does it mean? It was great. So the first year, it wasn't a whopping success, but the first year we had for 60 grand that we put up those boards, we had 64,000 people come to our website. So that's about a dollar a piece. Yeah. That wasn't a lot. In fact, a lot of people said what you did. Uh, man, I saw that, and I, I, I said to myself, I'm going to have to go home and see what that is. But yeah. they would forget. Right. And they said, I, I meant to, to check that out. I'd go speak in a church somewhere. And they said, you know, I've been seeing those. I've been meaning to go look those up, and I hadn't done it yet. Yeah. But we had, for a dollar a piece, $60,000, we had 64,000 views. So it wasn't a whopping success, but here's where the success came in. This blew our minds. The average person watched 2.8 stories when they went to our site. So that's three stories. Yeah, yeah. The people that viewed the stories came from fifth. This is just in our Chattanooga area. $60,000 worth of boards. They came from all 50 states and 123 countries. People coming through from Atlanta to Nashville, yeah. Nashville to Knoxville. We're a, in a well-traveled area. That's right. Yeah. The, uh, the the billboard salespeople talked about how many millions of people came through this, our thoroughfare of highways here you and freeways. Yes, we did. <laughs> so we had people from 50 st- states, 123 countries come by, view testimonies of Christians that had found Jesus and telling their amazing God stories. And uh, they averaged 2.8 or three stories apiece. Wow. So that's where we started. Fast forward 10 years. Now we are today pushing. Yesterday, I had, didn't check it this morning, was 12,990-something thousand views of our stories. Wow. The last uh, full year, we've had 4.9 million views of the stories. We average around 4,000, which isn't a lot, but we have, we average around, of those millions, we average 4,000 a year that after they view the stories, click on, I want to find peace with God. Oh, my goodness. That's awesome. And so we're fulfilling what the Lord said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. So for me, it was witnessing to old drug pusher friends on the street or people I used to sell drugs to, telling them about Jesus, then flipping, then speaking on uh, uh 
college campuses and in churches to hundreds and thousands, then flipping a mic on at a radio station and and reaching 100,000 people with our stories, and now literally millions that are hearing the gospel because of uh, technology. That's like coming full circle for, for, for you for the the way that the way that your your life has gone and the things that God's yes, used you to do yes, and he's, he's pulled all that together and and of course in in today's world the video is is the thing right you, absolutely YouTube is oh, so yeah. big TikTok these yeah. days is so big and people want to see videos and so two hundred and sixty five million people in America above the age eighteen few YouTube stories every day. Wow. And we have a goal at Partners for Christian Media to reach every one of them multiple times with the gospel. Amen. And it's we've got it down now. It's not a dollar a piece, but a nickel a piece. Wow. To win somebody to Christ. So and sometimes it's as low as a penny, anywhere from a penny to a nickel to reach a person. The other wow. day a businessman wrote me a check for five thousand dollars to to come on, let's go. And he said, How many will this reach? And he pulled out his calculator and at the current price that month we were we were uh, reaching uh, for as little as a penny it would reach over 300,000 people with the gospel wow. for that $5,000 contribution My goodness that's amazing so i'm i'm so if people want to if let's say somebody's out there and they're listening to this and they're like man i really really want to support what they're doing how do they do that well i Greatly appreciate that opportunity. You can go to comeonletsgo.com and uh, check out what we're doing. View the stories. You can go to comeonletsgo.com slash Bob and hear my testimony. And and it won't repeat, have to be an hour long like it is today. I think I do the whole thing in five minutes. Yeah. So, So you can hear my story in five minutes, but then you can, there's opportunities there to click on donate. And uh, it's a secure site where you can make a donation. And uh, we would be thrilled to uh, be stewards of, of what you give to the ministry. And we'll use it to reach people for Jesus, to tell them of all of his, uh, what does it say? Uh, all the marvelous things that he has done. Amen. Amen. Hey, your Mitchell story is on there. You guys did Mitchell's story. Absolutely. It's and a so, great story. Yeah, yeah. And I'm absolutely thrilled how God's using you guys at Run for God. And we're kind of in a similar ministry. We're telling stories, and those stories are pointing men, women, and children to Jesus. It is so humbling to uh, to to hear the stories. It's so humbling when somebody writes in and says, you know, this is what happened. And I was, you know, I had this problem and run for God did this for me. It's the same thing you guys hear day in and day out at the radio station about how somebody's life was touched because of something you guys are doing. It's not us. It's not you. It's not Bob LaBelle. It's not Dean Thompson. It's God just using some really imperfect vessels to do his amazing work. Boy, you got that right. And uh, that's, you've, I've, I'm glad you ended on that imperfect uh, vessels because I think that's an important thing to, uh, to, to mention here. I have a friend that's gone to be with the Lord now. He just passed away in the, about a year ago and he kind of threw me. He was a great friend named Jim. And Jim was a grown man, but some, he had a childlike qualities that he could just say things to you like a young kid would. And he said to me one day, he says, Bob, how do you stay humble being so great? And uh, 
He did floor me a little bit with that, but I know Jim and I, I was able to know that he wasn't kidding. He says, I'm not, I kind of grin, yeah. and he said, I'm not kidding. I mean it. He says, you've accomplished a lot, but he says, you don't have the big head. And I thought about that for a minute, and uh, I said, you know what? I think Paul had a thorn in the flesh, and I said, sometimes that's what it takes for some of us is that we've had things go wrong in our lives that, 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 uh, that remind us of our humanness that get us where we're not caught up in, in, uh, how great we are. Yep. And I was, uh, previously married for 37 years and then divorced. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that was a huge defeat for me. Yeah. I felt, uh, very low about that. And that reminded me every day that and with all my knowledge, all my abilities, all the great things that God had blessed me with, ability to pray and see amazing miracles and answers to prayer, all the marriage counseling and all the things that I knew to do wouldn't fix Humpty Dumpty, okay? It just wouldn't fix it. And so that reminded me that I'm human. I told my friend Jim that, reminded me that that I come from dust. And I said, and plus, I just realized that the Bible says, and uh, I think it was David, uh, talks about he that glories, let him glory in the Lord. And David said that he was great in God, that God has made me great. So his greatness, the 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 glorying that we do is in the Lord. Yeah. He has made me great. Amen. He has, he has uh, taken, the Bible says, given us, this great pearl, this pearl of great price, and he's given us uh, this in earthen vessels. Yeah. Scripture talks about uh, bodies of dirt, yeah. made of dirt. And so I don't have any false humility to walk around saying, gee, I'm a worm. I realize that God has done some great things in my life. I was a drug pusher many years ago that uh, average mom or dad could see my picture in the paper and my story in the paper of my arrest and say, boy, I hope that boy rots in hell. And they wouldn't be wrong to think that way because I was part of the scum of the earth. And now to be a name that uh, uh, in this community, if you say the name Bob LaBelle, I am the complete opposite. People go, oh, that's that guy that started the Ministry of Partners of Christian Media. So from scum of the earth to a guy with a good name. And that's the Lord that did that. And uh, so I'm very thankful for the opportunity to serve a great God that picks us up out of the miry clay, puts our feet on a rock, and gives us an opportunity to be a light in a dark world. Isaiah 60 says, gross darkness will cover the earth. And boy, Dean, we see that today more than ever. Amen. And he says, but my light will be seen on you. That's right. So run for God and partners for Christian media is part of that light. We get That's to right. shine the light and, and shine these smiles that God's given us to people all over and share with people that Jesus is the answer well, for so. the world today. Well said. And I would be remiss not to mention that if if you're looking and you're listening to Bob's story and you're thinking, how in the world do I get there? How do I find that relationship that, that he seems to have or does have with Christ? You can go to runforgod.com forward slash peace with God. And there are some videos there that you can watch that can tell you just how you can get the peace that Bob has. 
And uh, Bob, we thank you so much for being here, for uh, taking the time out of your busy day and all the things that you've got going on to tell your story. And you're, you're absolutely right. Telling stories is, is critical and uh, it, it impacts people's lives. And you have done that today. And we're humbled at Run For God that you have, uh, have given us an opportunity to do what we do. And uh, we thank you for that. And we just pray that your ministry continue to bless people just as it has and just just continues that uh, going forward. Back at you, Dean. And may God bless Run for God and the work that you do for him. Thank you so much. Now, until next week, folks, may God bless every step of every run or walk. Go out there and shine your light. For more information about the Run for God ministry, go to runforgod.com. If you have questions about your salvation, click on the Peace with God tab. There's nothing more important. Thanks for joining us today.